and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Oh, he's drilled home by Steve Davis. Here, then he comes Matheson. Oh, he scored! And now it's Johnson. That is a hugely important goal, which may just keep Rochdale in League One. Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean, and I'm not joined by Chaff this week, but I am joined, as always, by Rye. Rye, how are you, mate? Yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. Good stuff. And we've also got live in London, Luke Walsh. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, pal. Very well. Lovely stuff. Uh, so, unfortunately, we can't really talk about why we're in London or anything like that. We've got to talk about um, Dale, which is, is not ideal, given our recent performances, but it's been two home draws against Barrow and Salford, followed up by an away defeat to Leighton Orient since we last spoke. So we're going to dig into those games and uh, and kind of consider where we're at as we enter the latter stages of what's been a pretty long season. Um, so starting with that draw against Barrow, right, I'm going to come to you first. I'll be honest, when I was kind of researching, kind of planning what to ask you, I completely forgot about this game already. So do you want to remind us what happened, if anything? <laughs> no, to be honest, I was the same. Uh, I've had to watch the highlights and they've done well to come up with two minutes of them, I think. Um, it was a poor game, I thought. Um, both teams, you know, did have clear chances, but they seemed to be the only chances. If you, There were no real sort of half chances, anything like that, I didn't think. There's no, you know, I've heard people saying it's a good save and, you know, he's, he's unlucky. It's a poor, poor effort from Campbell in the first five minutes. Um, it looks like he mishits it, which I don't think I've ever seen anyone miss hit a one-on-one before like that. <laughs> so, yeah, he should score. Um, they should score as well when they hit the bar. I think Banks hit the bar from a corner and um, Holloway should score as well in the second half um, when he gets a header. Um, I think Dorsey might miss time a header and he just gets out and knocks it wide. But, um, yeah, another game that pretty much sums up where we're at I think and where we've been since January a, a lot of just not very much um, sat there for 90 minutes wondering what I'm doing and where else I could be um, I had a pie and that was good um, so that was a positive from it um, but yeah I think it's the first I don't think I've ever heard Rochdale fans sort of boo and and, you know, air negativity like we did against Barrow. Um, so I think it's clear that it's starting to turn a little bit now. And I know Stockdale looked bemused after it when when he heard the boos. Um, but I think you've got to take into consideration some of the things we've had to watch this season and then another game against poor opposition. And it's been 90 minutes of nothing. You can't expect everyone to be going on happy. Um, so yeah, no real positives, I didn't think. Um, but it weren't a disaster either. Yeah, I think I think not just putting into context what we've watched this season, but I think over a few seasons, to be honest, because we've pretty much been struggling towards the bottom of League One for four or five years before this year. So I think there was a bit of frustration in that people 
were hoping to see us win a few more games and be a bit more exciting to watch this season in League Two, and it just hasn't happened. Um, Luke, in this game against Barrow, it looked, at least at first, like there was going to be a bit of a change in shape with Keogh in at right back, and it looked like they were warming up in that way. A, a few people did see it that way, I must admit. Within 10, 15 minutes, it looked like it had gone back to the wing-backs for me with Corey coming back in and Keoghan moving into kind of the right side of the back three. But I don't know, how did you see the formation in this game and did you think that slight adaptation worked at all? Um, I, I actually saw it as kind of, I, I think in possession, it was it was a, um, a back four. Um, but out of possession, it felt like um, O'Keefe was slotting right back into what basically made it a back five. Um, and kind of our transition and a lack of cohesion at the minute, I think it makes it a bit tricky if you're going to sit in one formation on the ball and another another formation when, when you're out of possession. Um, if that's what the plan was, it was it, it was quite hard to read, really, in fairness. But um, I think, you, you know, Rise already alluded to it, that chance in the first half for Campbell. I remember turning around and saying that chance will arguably get forgotten about as this game goes along because it happened so early, but it turned out to be kind of one of the biggest talking points of the game because not a lot happened after it um, and and it proved to be pretty costly for us, didn't it? But I did think we did we did try and take the game to them a little bit in the second half. Um, I thought the second half was a bit better, albeit just poor poor quality. And I think that's where the booze come from. I think the booze just come from a, a lack of, a lack of entertainment, really, at the minute. Um, it, it just, it just wasn't that great to watch, like Rai said. Um, and then you compound it by not the best result in the world because, you know, pre-match you're at home against Barrow, you're kind of looking for three points, aren't you? Um, I said looking rather than expecting. I think it's a bit big-headed to be expecting three points, but you know you. The expectation is always going to be higher against someone like a Barrow at home, and I think that kind of also explains why there was a bit of a reaction at full time, which I think at this minute in time is justified as a reaction. I, I, I kind of get it, and I can get people's frustrations. Um, you know, I don't argue against it. I don't really advocate it either, but I can understand why there was um, discontent. Yeah, right. Let's touch on. Um that chance for Campbell and his performance as a whole then, because, yeah, like Luke said, it kind of felt at the time like it would get forgotten about, but he just didn't get any service for the rest of the game, did he? And it, it was another case of him being kind of frozen out by the formation and not having enough support. And, yeah, he should have done better with the chance, but at the end of the day, he needs to be he needs to be given more service, doesn't he? Oh, 100%. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? Like Luke said, you, you see that chance and you think he's going to have chances later in the game to rectify it. Um, similar to the game he scored in. I can't remember which game it was now, but he missed a header in the first half he should score and then he, he comes later in the second half scores. And he just he doesn't get that chance because he, he we don't give him anything. Um and I think that's a mix of lack of quality and I think it's I've said all season and I think it's a tactical issue as well. Um but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see the number of touches he's had since he joined because it must be he must be the lowest in the league for strikers, I reckon, because he literally gets nothing. And the amount of times that, you know, there's a long, hopeful ball 
pumped up field and he's expected to run onto it or battle, you know, a defender who's got a few inches and, you know, height-wise and, you know, size. And he's just never going to win them. And I think we've seen his quality and his quality is around the box. Um, I know it was a poor finish, but he looks to have a decent quality. There was a point in the game as well, I think, where he, he turns his man. Um, I think, was it the, the... Oh, no, that was Salford, the ball chance, wasn't it? But um, he does look like he's got pretty quick feet and he can beat a man in, in tight spaces, but he's not getting that kind of service often enough. We're not high enough up the field for him. Um, so... It's tough to really judge him. I don't know how good a player he is, really, which you should do, uh, you know, coming to the end of March now. And I don't, I don't know how good he's going to be next season because we've not really seen anything of him. But I, do, I feel sorry for him, to be honest, because he's, he must be wondering, questioning his decision in January, to be honest, because I remember when he came in, his, his interview, he seemed excited. He seemed, you know, full of energy. You know, he were mentioning going up the table and scoring goals and, you know, most of the, players who signed were mentioning playoffs and things like that and he's come and you know gets about three touches a game we've probably won one game since then maybe two it's just it's not happening for him is it and it's tough because like I said he does look like he has a bit of quality yeah I think that's a really good point about us not knowing how good he is um seeing people saying that he doesn't look up to it but then I'm thinking who would in the in the way we're set up at the moment. I don't think there's many strikers we've had that would look like a good player with the kind of service that, that Campbell has got. But then on the other hand, he did miss that chance, which he should have scored. And you you pointed out that header against Harrogate, I think it was, that he headed wide. And if he's had four chances where you'd expect him to score and only finished two, then you do kind of question whether he's going to be a, that lethal finisher that we're going to need as well, if, especially if we're not creating enough chances. Um Luke, in terms of the chances we did create, um, Farman, the Barrow keeper, was kind of given man of the match. He was in team of the week and the BBC report said he was was the best player on the pitch. But was that a case more of no one else really deserving it? Because from my mind, aside from the Campbell one, the only real chances we had were, were ones that, you know, you'd expect him to save. I remember a Clark header that he kind of shoveled around the post and, and a QA effort from range that, he dealt with quite easily, but it wasn't exactly the hardest day at the office for him, was it? No, he didn't. He didn't stand out as having a, an amazing performance, and you kind of bit nail on the head there. I think it was kind of because no one really did in, in that type of game. Um, one thing he was good at was he was he was pretty good at his uh, well in management slash time wasting. Um, he was quite clever with how he how he did that and pretended to bollock his defenders at every opportunity but all it was really was just an opportunity to show the referee that he's doing something rather than going getting the ball to set the goal kick kind of thing that's that's the only that's the only way he stood out for me but I think it was yeah it was a sign of the quality of the game really um, that no one stood out and obviously he made a couple of saves you know you could argue I suppose in the end that the Campbell save was a match winning save um, you, you could argue um, but yeah no I've got he didn't stand out as, as being particularly great, nor did anyone else. Uh, w- one player we did get a little bit of praise, right, was Matt Dole after the game. Did you feel that was deserved? I mean, he, he certainly, it's not for a, a lack of trying, is it, with Dole, but we have seen him come into his own in the last stages of the season when his contract's been up before. Yeah, 
but to be fair to him, he's not had much chance for the rest of the season. So we've only really started seeing him now. Um, but yeah, I think he's done all right since he's come back in the team, to be fair to him. Um, I think he gives us something different because, you know, you look at a lot of our forward players and there's not really an abundance of pace. Um, and he still offers that. He's probably still our quickest player, however old he is. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, what one thing Matty Dorn has that made us all fall in love with him when he first joined was you can see the effort he's putting in. And he genuinely is one of the few in the squad who I believe really wants to win and really wants to do something. And I think sometimes he does try a bit too hard or it, it seems that way. But he, um, yeah, I think he's done all right. I think he did okay in this game. He, he wants to run at defenders. He wants to run in behind. His movement's generally pretty good. Um, and yeah it's tough with Dawn because I, I hate it when he gets a load of sticks so it's it's very easy then to when he starts playing well to overdo it because um, I do just really really like him as a person as well as a player um, but yeah I think he's done alright yeah I, I couldn't agree more with uh, with regards to Dawn I think sometimes I, I, I really worry that the, like the last couple of years is going to take people's memories of him but overall over those 300 I think this was the game wasn't it when he brought up 300 or was it Salford um, yeah 300 appearances and overall over, over them 300 appearances he's been an incredible servant to the club really um, in all three spells in different ways um, and I just thought yeah I really hope that kind of his legacy is one that's that's remembered for those like better moments and the, rather than the the poor spells of form he's maybe had towards the end of his career. Um, Luke, in terms of our attacking options, though, uh, we saw five minutes of Danny Cashman at the end of this game, which was nice to see because we've not seen him for God knows how long, but uh, still no minutes for for Luke Charman. And this is such a strange situation. Now, why do you think at this point he's not getting a game? Because it looks like we're crying out for another forward at the moment. Oh, I mean, there's all kind of theories that, that that you can put into it. You can you you can guess that he's not fit enough. You can guess that he's not good enough. Um, you can guess that he's just not ready. And it was always a, a buy for next season. I don't know what the true circumstances are. I mean, Matt. Apart from, I mean, my theory is is potentially that the manager doesn't necessarily want to change shape. Um, and with that, he, he may feel as though keeping Campbell on the pitch is just a better better option for its entirety than what it would be if he did a straight swap, as an example. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I actually don't think... We've only seen little bits and bobs of charm, and obviously, as a result of this, he, he, he's looked all right in his brief little cameos that he's made, you know, for what for, for the amount that he can impact the game in the minutes that he's had. He's, he's looked all right. He doesn't look like a... A player that need that is well off it. Um, he started against Scunthorpe and he got brought off at half time, but he was no worse than anyone else on the pitch for us in that first half because we were all shocking. Um, and again, I was watching him carefully, and you know, I think he does offer us a little bit something a little bit different, as in he can win an header, for example, whereas you know, Campbell's more going to kind of hold the ball into feet really and, and look after the ball that way, whereas Charm and um, you know, has won a few headers in his in his brief time on the pitch. But 
As to why he's not been given that chance, I don't know. But it is frustrating because the build-up in signing him, it kind of went on for quite a long time, didn't it? It went on and on and, you know, you then start doing your research on the player and you're seeing the reports that he's that he was getting at Darlington and then, you know, you're looking at his goal-scoring record. Uh, you're looking at the other clubs that were interested in him and we're fending off the likes of Bradford to, to secure his signature. For me, that that that's kind of like, you know, little that's, that's ingredients that would suggest this is a that's going to be ready for this season rather than next. Um, so, I, yeah, it's a bit baffling, but let's put it down to anything. I think it's because the manager manager don't want to sacrifice the formation. Um, and with that in mind, there's only one player that he can come on for, and that bit's Evan Campbell. Um, you know, whereas our tens and whatnot are quite fluid, aren't they? Your newbies, your cashmans, your redos, your grants, they're all quite fluid in the positions they play, but the out-and-out striker that we do play, the only thing I can put it down to is that Scott Dale fancies Campbell more. Yeah, which I, I guess begs the question, why spend money on two strikers if, if he's so adamant he only wants to play one um, in January to, to go out and spend money? And like you said, it was that kind of fanfare around both signings. They both seemed like really exciting additions at the time, like the right age profile coming from non-league, which we've seen success with before at the club and I think if you're looking back at that now if you just said in the first 12 13 games where they've been at the club um that we'd only get two goals combined out of them um I think you'd be pretty disappointed with that uh right you're not touching on on Barrow themselves before we we move on um a week I mean they were they looked pretty woeful to me and seemed quite happy to play for the point um a week are we hoping that they're one of the teams that are just worse than us that help us stay up at this point? They've hired Phil Brown today. Um, I don't know whether that's an inspiring hire or not, really. But yeah, from what from what we saw in this game, can we kind of count on them to maybe be one of the teams that will finish above? Hopefully. Well, hopefully you want to finish above as many teams as you you can, don't you? I I did think we were poor, but we've got a really good player at this level in the team and I think he's probably going to help them survive in Ollie Banks. I've always liked him. I, I loved him when he was at Chesterfield as well. I, he was a player I always wanted us to to get. I think I mentioned that in the pod earlier this season when we were talking about players we, we want to sign. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, we should. I'm looking at the table now and with three points clear of them, played a game less. We've won as many games as them eight um, so yeah obviously you want to be finishing above a team like that um, but yeah um, fortunately we did we beat them away didn't we so you know they have not took any points off us in terms of winning um, so yeah you want to finish above teams like Barrow but you just never know do you yeah I guess that I mean it's been We've seen a few teams get a new man, a new manager bounce, haven't we? Recently, seen it with Carlisle, with Simpson, and I mean, I think Oldham's has, has kind of tailed off now, but they certainly picked up when Sheridan came in. So, I mean, with all due respect to Barrow, we can only hope that doesn't happen because we don't need another team putting us uh, under pressure. Just before we move on to the Salford game, I just want to give a bit of praise to the club for the game two stuff that was going on around this fixture against Barrow. Um, really encouraging to see and. A lot of new faces, I think, at Scotland for this game, and there was a lot of uh, fanfare around it. And yeah, it was really good. Um, and 
like I've said, I think like we've all said, some of the off-field stuff this season has been really encouraging and it feels like the club's heading in the right direction. And I think, yeah, the, the Her Game 2 initiative is definitely one of the big parts of that. And um, to, to see like a full game dedicated to it was, yeah, really encouraging. Um, less encouraging, Luke, was the Tuesday night game against against Salford. And when we saw the lineup, our little WhatsApp group between those of us on the pod kind of, yeah, we weren't too happy with that with that starting eleven, were we? I mean, if 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 you take uh, Robbie Stockdale at face value in, in saying that James Ball's been playing mostly in defence for Solihull this season, then I think you can count seven players who've played mostly in defence in that starting eleven for a home game against a mid-table side. It doesn't exactly inspire anyone, does it? That. It was a weird one, wasn't it? Um, and I, when I saw it. You know, I'd, it just screamed negativity to me. Um, and, and and one of the biggest gripes we've already touched on it. One of the biggest gripes I've I've had of late is is the complete isolation um, in which Campbell is is finding himself in. You know, we we just no one is having close enough to him for us to kind of create prolonged periods of of attacks really. And um, when I saw the formation, I just thought that's going to be even more so the case. And that's something that, no doubt, in my mind, that, you know, the squeezing up the pitch and getting closer to him has been something that we've needed to get a hell of a lot better at. Yet we've picked a team where kind of it, it was, yeah, I was expecting us to go even more against it. Um, and it was a bit of a weird one because it was kind of all Keith and Kelly that started off in the, um, in, in, in kind of the tens almost, weren't it? It was, it was a bit weird, but uh, I don't know if that's because I know Robbie kind of highlighted it a couple of times around Stockport's kind of squad and, you know, the money power that they've got. They're obviously in form as well going into the game. Um, so I don't know if it was just more so as a way of dealing dealing with the opposition or, or what. But for me, this league isn't, isn't a great league. And you, when you're at home, you know, anyone's capable of beating anyone. Uh, I think home or away, but when you're at home and you want to be on the front four, it just screamed negativity to me. Um, and yeah, bit of a bit of a strange one. Yeah, um, right. I mean, I mean, one of the things that that Keith Hill in particular got a lot of stick for towards the end of his his second spell was for for kind of putting square pegs into round holes, and like Luke touched on there. Corey O'Keefe and, and Liam Kelly aren't inside forwards, so you know why? Why would he play in there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know to be honest. Um, I hated, you know, I think I was probably most guilty of being negative before the game when I saw the teams there. But then when I saw him line up and it was Kelly and O'Keefe, it just didn't. I, I couldn't understand it because <laughs> Kelly. Well, he just isn't that sort of player at all. Look, fortunately, he changed it pretty early and put Ball there, but I don't think Ball's that player either. Um, you know, he's played in four positions for us now. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, yeah, it was strange. Um, I think he is, it's almost desperation, I think, to a point where, you know, you are tinkering so much. You know, the reason that he went and signed O'Keefe in January was because he wants to play with wing backs and he's a natural wing back. And then for the last few games, he's, you know, according to Robbie, he's not played there. Um, 
he definitely did against Barrow. Um, and then he's played him a wing. I think Keohane's been pretty good when he's come back in, though. But then just drop O'Keefe, you know, put an actual inside forward in the inside forward position when you're struggling for goals anyway. Um, yeah, it. I don't know. It, I suppose what was quite positive was, you know, you looked at the bench and thought, oh, at least we've got players who can come in and make a difference. Um, didn't happen, but, you know, it, it, it was quite nice to see a, a strong attacking bench, I, I guess. I think the only reason we had players um, on the bench who could come on and make a difference was because Robbie had decided not to put any of them in the starting eleven who could make much of a difference, though. So, yeah, how how encouraging that is, I'm not sure. And just to play devil's advocate, right? Because I know you're you were kind of like say a little bit more negative than 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 the rest of us ahead of this game. To play devil's advocate, maybe we could have won the game. I mean. Balls missed a, an absolute sitter in the second half that, that 99 times out of 100 hits the back of the net and maybe Stockdale will see it as as the best practice in our current predicament, being out of form to pick players who are going to naturally sit a bit deeper and, and hope that we can get chances like the ones that we did get. And yeah, like, like I say, even though Salford had more possession and more shots, I would say we'll probably feel more hard, hard done by to have not won the game after that chance from Ball. Yeah, obviously that's a chance that, like you said, most people score. You know, I don't even just mean football. I mean, anybody in the world does. Um, it just took, you know, an unfortunate bobble um, by the looks of things should still score. But I think that masks a lot, um, that chance. I know Stockdale's played on it quite a bit in the interviews since. Um, I watched the highlights again earlier and Ryan Watson should score for them. The volley that hit the roof of the Sandy, he's, he's got to score that. It's obviously not as guilt-edge as the ball one, um, but he's got to score. And I think if, you know, that Asante um, had a game like he did at the weekend, he scores a hatful because his end product against us, I thought was dire. Some of his decision-making were really bad, but the amount of times he drove into the box and got into the box was frightening, I thought. Um, so, yeah, you can you can look at that chance and say, you know, if ball scores that, we win the game. Um, but, but we didn't do enough to win the game. You know, aside from that, I can't think of any other chances we had. Um, I know O'Keefe, you know, keeper made a good save from O'Keefe, but it's a shot from outside the box. Um, I thought they were better than us. Um, I actually quite enjoyed watching. Um, I know that's a lot of people are saying different, but I, I did. I liked the way we popped the ball about. Um, I was quite impressed with them at their place as well. Um, so, yeah, it, I can see both sides of it. You know, we should win because ball should score, but, you know, let, let's not forget that they had chances as well. Yeah, just on that, Asante, I think that first 20 minutes or so, I found myself like really glad that he was on the pitch because I. I just would have been so bored otherwise. He looked like the only player out of 22 who actually wanted to go towards the goal at any point. But Luke, the goal eventually did come for Dale and it came from a mistake from Matt Lund, um, who we'll touch on again in a minute. But it came from a poor pass and, and it had me questioning, you know, why we aren't pressing as high up the pitch as we could do because these this like we keep saying over and over again this isn't a good league and there's a lot of teams who do try and pass it out at the back and in their own half and if you do that you'll get chances so 
I just wonder why we don't kind of create, try and create more chances from pressing because we seem to stand off and and yet like like that goal shows you can you can get chances by forcing mistakes from from players at this level. Yeah, I think in a weird way, I as well is it wasn't actually Lund that I felt was getting pressed that aggressively. It was a, it was just a, it was a poor pass from Lund, but the, the the aggressiveness came from the ball interception, didn't it? Really, and um, he read it really well, and I, I'm really glad that we did swap Kelly and Ball pretty soon because it, that move did actually come as a result of I think predominantly Ball not being comfortable in that deeper position. Um, he took the ball uh, a couple of times deep in the pitch and we lost it high up due to Salford's press. Um, so it's kind of relevant to, to what we're talking about here around how you know a, a good attacking press can work. But um, Kelly Kelly's more comfortable in those parts of the pitch and, and vice versa. I think Paul um, Paul Ball offers a lot more uh, going forward in, in that part of the pitch. I think he times his runs into the box really well and I think he's pretty useful um, in that kind of in that, strangely enough, in that inside ten position, which as as a, as a kind of profile of player, he doesn't look like he naturally is that kind of that that type. But I just find himself being quite useful. A lot of our attacks, he's he's normally kind of playing a part in them. Um, but he did really well to read it. But and then I think he did really well actually to to take it away from from the other Salford defender, and he finished it nicely as well. He still had a lot of work to do. But I think you're right, Dean. I think kind of. When I look back to to kind of the foot, some of the football that we were playing earlier on in the season, and I was actually getting quite excited about some of, some of our attacking play. Um, I thought we were really fluid, and and you could kind of see the direction that we were going in. And I think it was because we were far more positive and on the front foot, and that came from probably a higher press. Um, so I do think we are a better team when we do that, for sure, um, because. I'm finding that we're losing the midfield battle a lot of the time. Um, and I think kind of if you press as a team and you make that pitch smaller, there's less of an emphasis on kind of the 1v1 battles in the middle of the park that we often lose out on because we're just not physical enough. Um, so I do think we are better when we do that. Maybe we, we stood off them a little bit. I think kind of, I'm quite surprised actually Rice said that he enjoyed the way Salford played because... I thought that fundamentally what they did was they crossed the ball early and in deep positions uh, just to work off Smith. Um, that was my opinion on, on on their style anyway. And it's just funny how we all see it differently, isn't it? Um, but but yeah, um, again, just going back to your point, I just think that we are a much better team when we are on the front foot and you know you win the ball back early. You, you don't have to work as hard for your goals then because if you win the ball back earlier, two free passes from, from creating an opportunity not 10, 11, 12, 13 when you're slowly building from the back Yeah and that for, for what it's worth as a personal choice that's the kind of football I really prefer to see like and I know Ryle will disagree with his, with his City allegiances but for me like at the top end of the Premier League at the moment I prefer watching Liverpool who press high and try and win the ball and try and get balls into the box than I do Man City who build play slowly and keep possession and don't get me wrong, they're, they're brilliant to watch at times, but I just find that style of football more exciting. Um, and I feel like it's the kind of football we haven't seen at Dale for ages. And I feel like it can be effective at this level if you if you have a, a team that's built for it, uh, which perhaps we don't, but mind you, I don't really know what our team's built for um, at the moment. <laughs> right. Yeah, we touched on Matt Lund there. Uh, 
yeah, it had to be him that got the equaliser, didn't it? And what we'd give for a player like him in our team at the moment. Oh God, yeah, um, yeah. Trademark Matty Lund, weren't it? I suppose. Um, I'm glad he celebrated as well. Um, I don't think he meant any malice to the Dale fans with it, but I can't stand it when people don't. Um, but yeah, I think to be fair, I think he'd, even he'd struggle in our team to be honest, because the way we set up doesn't help our midfield whatsoever. Um, you're regularly playing two midfielders against three in the most part. And they're not very physical or mobile either. Um, so you're going to lose in the midfield battle. But yeah, uh, he's just he's a player that I'll always have such fond memories of. I loved watching him in both spells or all spells. Um, almost a, a different player in each, you know, each season he tended to play, I thought, but he has everything, doesn't he? Um, you know, he can, albeit he's poor pass for our goal, but he can pass a ball, he can get forward, he can score, he tackles, you know, he gets in people's faces, he's aggressive. Um, yeah, I love him to bits and, I'd, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to have him in our team, obviously, because um, we're not blessed with great midfielders, I don't think, are we? Well, no, and on one player who, who was in midfield for this game, who we, we, again, we have touched on earlier, Liam Kelly, Luke, not his best performance, was it? Game kind of passed him by, and to be honest, it's been a while since we've seen a, a really good performance from Liam Kelly. Yeah, I thought it was poor. Um, I can't make my mind up on him. There's, um, there's times where, where I like him and, yeah, you know, I've I, I praised him because for someone of his stature, I've, I felt as though he can get about the pitch pretty well, but I'm just not, you know, his he's, he's passing was off. And if his passing's off, what, what does he bring to the table, really? Um, apart from the weakness in, in, in as far as he, he, he's often going to get out-battled and out, you know, outwards in the, in the middle of a pitch. That's just a fact in this league. And, um, you know, I do say it as a criticism because I think it's black and white. It's because of his size. Not his fault, but that's the way it is. If, if you're going to play someone like that in the middle, that's why I'm not a fan of really having him and then the likes of Dooley in there because... Where's 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 your steel? Um, and I think it comes back to when we spoke about balancing a team before and stuff like that. And I, I'm guilty of this. I've actually thought in my mind, well, if we can get ball in there, that kind of complements whatever we're lacking because balls balls quite he's a bit of an athlete, bit of size to him, can put it, can can kind of get stuck in and, and put it about. But like I mentioned earlier, the deeper you play a ball, I think the less effective he gets uh, because he's not actually. For me, he isn't technically great. Um, he's just effective in what he does. But you, in, from what I've seen so far, he's further forward. So Kelly, in part, I think it's his own doing. But in part, a lot of it is, is just down to his kind of size and what have you. And if he's not on it with his passing ability, then he offers very little, in my opinion. And I've not been impressed by him at all recently. I think he's in dire form. And I think he's capable of better. Um and I think in many respects, it kind of epitomises where we're at as a team as well. Yeah, um, just a point on Ball there. I think you've touched on something quite relevant, really. It, Ball has been a good addition, I think, so far. Like, don't get me wrong, he's chipped in with goals. And like you say, he looks like he's going to be a presence higher up the pitch. And my issue is we didn't need that um, when we went in for a midfielder in January. Everyone said from 
September time, probably, that we needed a, a ball winner. We needed that physicality, which you've just mentioned. We've signed a player who looks like he is that, but it turns out isn't. Um, and Stockdale said recently at the Fans Forum that the reason he's stuck with the wing-backs all season has been because he, did, he didn't feel he had the profile of players to play 4-3-3 and what have you. So that just makes me question why we signed the ball and why we didn't sign a player who could allow us to play 4-3-3. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm not. that's not me digging out ball because, like I said, I think he's probably been... Well, it, He's almost definitely been our best player over the last couple of months, but I just question why we signed a player that we didn't necessarily need whilst a gap in the squad r- remains that's been there, not even since this season, for, for two, three, probably even further back than that, because um, we've been playing Aaron Morley there, Jamie Allen there, Callum Camps there, and that, that was never any of their positions. So it would be really nice, whoever the manager is, whoever the, whoever's going to be in our squad next season if we just signed a player who could do that role because I'm getting sick of asking for it now um, right to touch on someone who, who I thought had a decent game here and it, I'm sure Chaff will be happy that I'm asking you about him rather than Chaff because I think he's bored of me asking but uh, Jerry Dorsey, I thought had another good game here and for me probably our most improved player this season he, for me he's, he's an obvious starter at this point oh yeah he's got a start um, he's <laughs> It's tough because I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of it, you forget how young he is. And he's often our only teenager in the team um, at 19. Um, and he does have faults. He, he, he can't play football. And in our team, you know, the defenders are often asked to play football. Um, and that's, he's never going to be that player. I think that's clear for everybody to see. Um, but it looks as though he's starting to enjoy the battle. Um, I think early in the season, he, he, I don't think he liked it. I don't think he liked the one, one-on-one battles, but um, I think he's starting to defend well. Um, there's obviously improvements need to be made in his game, but like I said, he's 19 and he's got a lot to learn and he, he's only with us to help his career eventually. And we've seen it with players that we've had, you know, you think of, you know, the goalkeepers, for example, we've had in the last couple of years and they've needed to come to us to make mistakes, to be better. And one's now a regular in the Spain squad, for example. So um, he's improved a lot. Um, he's a definite starter. Um, and I think that this is going to really help him moving forward. Whether it's helped us massively, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but he has. he's in decent form to be fair to him and um, yeah, he's busy to be fair. Luke, we now haven't lost at home in 11 games in the league. Um, admittedly, we've only won three. <laughs> is that is that a case of, is that something to be happy with? I mean, last season we were all devastated with the 19 game winless home run. To have put in an 11 game unbeaten home run, I guess is something, but at the same time, if you if you framed it as three wins from eleven at home, you wouldn't be too happy with that, would you? Yeah, I mean you can you can spin it anyway, any which way you like, don't can't you? And uh, you can spin it as a positive or, or spin it as a negative. Um, I think when that's the case, I think you've then got to assess where have we been at from a performance level. Then you know where have we actually been at from a performance level throughout 
the you know the entire games themselves and you know some some results like your barrel ones where we should have got you know we should have we're expecting more do you take a point out to Salford in, in in isolation I do because you look at Salford you look at the budget that they've got you look at therefore what they could be capable of as a team and you go right okay we'll take that we'll move on but yeah I think if you assess it on performances you would then spin it in a way in which you'd say that actually we should have done better. We should have got more results. And and I think kind of the man just said it himself. He'd, he'd set losing more games if it meant that won more games and and drew less overall. Um, but we're definitely missing something. Um, and I think kind of since, basically since the January transfer window, we've been terrible going forward, I think. Um, and we've just, we've all of a sudden just lost a lot of, that cohesive need of, of kind of knowing where your teammate is going to be and, you know, playing in patterns and outnumbering them in certain parts of the pitch to create opportunities. It just feels really flat. Um, and and it, it's that really. We have little 20-second bursts where we do we do well. You know, I'll go back to the, the ball chance uh, against Salford that he missed. Beautiful, beautiful um, build-up play. It was really nice. We did really well. But as a fan, entertaining enough just to have 20 second moments that occur two, three times a game it's never going to be enough to earn, earn results either you know they, you need to be entering double figures on that and I felt like at times earlier on the season we were and that probably was backed up by the stats around expected goals uh, through the chances created and um, I would imagine that stats absolutely plummeted because it, you know because like I say our, our general players just kind of seem to have just switched on its head really um, so for me, you know, you, you can make a point of saying, well, we've dug in in games and we've not been, you know, we've not got B and there will be an element of, of compliments within that where we have done that. But at the same time, I just think we're not we're not playing well enough overall uh, as, a, as a team performance goes. So moving on to the Orient game, um, I, I'll admit I didn't watch this one. First game I missed in a while, I felt like I'd... Um, a weekend off, to be honest. Um, right, Luke's touched on there, kind of the, the fact that we were capable of these these little moves here and there, and we're just not seeing it enough in games. But um, it led to the goal, didn't it, at Orient on Saturday? And it was a well-worked goal from Newby. But what happened thereafter? Because, uh, yeah, the word capitulation got mentioned a few times on the forum, I noticed. And, yeah, from the outside looking in, having not watched the game, that's certainly what it seemed like. Yeah, to be fair, first half an hour, we looked like the kind of team I want to watch. You know, we, we were playing good football. There was a high intensity. We were pressing them. Um, we looked a good side. Um, you know, the goal comes and that's a really nice move. The, we've got ball in on the left-hand side quite often, but his final ball was was often, well, rubbish. Um, and we looked... You know, we looked good and, and their crowd were proper getting on their players' backs. You know, they were booing, they were they were making mistakes. The players looked like they didn't want to be there. Um, and then out of nowhere, they pull out an absolute worldie. Um, and then we just stopped playing. And I think I said on, I think I said either in the group or on Twitter or whatever, but it was unacceptable the way they played. The second half, was shocking and you know I, I watched it on my laptop and, and didn't attend the game um 
but I felt sorry for everybody who'd paid money and travelled and, you know, taken a big chunk out of a weekend to go and watch what was 11 players who could not be asked being there and couldn't be asked putting the effort in. There were no desire, there were no fight, um, you know, a severe lack of quality. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, Bay could have scored as many as they wanted to score in that second half. You know, they had a few chances where they got in and often were, you know, like three on one. I can think of two or three occasions where they were three on one in a, an attacking sense and it was it was just madness. Um, I don't know what you put it down to because, you know, players have got to be professional enough to know that they've got to do the job for 90 minutes and they can't stop. And I'm disappointed. There's not one that comes out with any credit for me. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I weren't there, but what was the manager doing to change it? Whatever he was doing, if he was doing anything, it didn't work. Um, and they, I, I won't often accuse players of doing this, but they are down tools on, on Saturday in that second half. Um, they just, yeah, they just weren't playing for whether it be the club, the manager, the supporters. They they weren't putting in the work that's required, and that's that can never be acceptable at any level of football. Luke, is that a fair assessment from you where you were sitting? I know you were there on Saturday, and obviously, like I say, I wasn't there, so I, uh, yeah. Can you what do you put it down to? What do you put that that change down to as well? If we started so brightly to then end in a in a three one defeat and with a performance that seems to have got a lot of people very upset, how how has that happened within the game? Do you have any explanation for that? Yeah, I mean when when I think I think that was a fair assessment from Ryan. I think when when something can happen like like what happened on Saturday. You then start questioning um, integrity, leadership, character. You question all of that because it it did feel like we gave up. It did feel like we gave up in that second half. That's what it felt like watching it. Um, and yeah, it was um, it was very very frustrating to watch. I thought. I mean, credit where credit's due. I, I was worried, really. You know, Leighton Orient, Richuel in his first home game in charge. Bloody typical that like, they're going to get a new manager bounce and they're going to be well up for it. They're going to be playing for the places and all that lot. And I, I thought they were going to get at us big time. Um, and no doubt that would have been the intention. Um, but I thought we, we, we started the game superbly. We were brilliant. Um, we were kind of getting closer to Campbell. We were moving up the pitch. We were outnumbering them. Um, we had Dorset and Keyhane getting forward. You know, we were kind of right and left centre halves in, in the first half. And I thought, yeah, that's when, you know, playing this formation, that's where you can get them. And it was positive. And, and when we talk about being on the front foot, it, it really was. Um, and I think even in fairness, even even after the, the wonder goal that they scored, I actually was relatively content with how we reacted uh, to the goal. We, we still carried on trying to play a little bit. Um, but the turning point was, was the half-time break. Um, and even though Leighton Orient up their game by by a considerable amount, that wasn't enough 
um, to to kind of impact what what actually happened, um, and it was it was so frustrating watching it, and it did feel like the players gave up, and and for that, I left the ground really angry, um, and questioning all sorts, you know, questioning which players do I actually even like, um, you know, because there was I'm gonna call I'm gonna single out Nubi right who as a player. I do enjoy, I do like me. I'm a fan of his. You know, you want him to be a bit more consistent, what have you, but I, I will consider myself a big fan of Nubis, generally speaking. Um, but for the second goal, I think it was or the third, I can't remember which one it was. Um, there was three three spells in a row. First first spell was when he went to challenge for a flick on, um, but dissipated his neck because it was a token effort because he didn't want to get hurt from behind challenging in the air. So that's number one is someone demonstrating that they're giving up because they didn't feel the challenge for a ball because they were too scared to get hurt. All right. And the influence that has on the rest of the on the rest of the kind of team can't be a good one when that's happening. He then proceeded to lose the ball twice in areas of the pitch where if he just made the pass, we may have been on for a counter-attack. Um, but they were it was really poor. And then it led to a goal. And I thought, you know what? That's just a period of play there where, number one, he's not gone in for an F- a challenge that he should have. And then he's stupidly lost the ball twice. And for that, that's the point in the game where I go, your time's up on the pitch now. You're coming off because that's unacceptable. You're coming off. And, um, you know, we got Grant on the bench, as an example. We had, um, we had what's his face on the bench as well. Um, bloody hell. Name escapes me. Charming. Yeah. Yeah, Charming. Um, and Newby stayed on the pitch. And I thought, what what sign? What 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 sign is that giving to the players and the fans to say that that's acceptable? because um, it wasn't. That just wasn't acceptable. And he should have been punished for it by by losing his place in the team there and then. Um, and it wasn't. And I was disappointed in that. And like I say, I think I've, I've just got to be clear that I'm a fan of Newbies, but I think that just shows how poor I thought that was from him. Um, he should have been dragged and he wasn't and I'm disappointed that he wasn't because it almost then gives off a message to me that to the players that that's okay that's acceptable that you can do that and um, we're not in a position when you know we're never in a position even if we're not in a relegation battle to ever um, be in a state where that's deemed to be acceptable Um, and that just summed up the second half from us we offered absolutely nothing and and it was an absolute utter embarrassment from all of them. Well, cheers, lads. I'm now absolutely fuming about performance I didn't even see. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I said it to you guys about Newbie a few days ago that he just sums up everything I don't like about this team at the moment. We talk about lack of character, and and I think Newbie is exactly that. And yeah, I think he, he technically speaking, he's by no means the worst player in the team, but we, we say. We're looking for him to be our most creative spark. And it's something I said to you guys as well. He has one goal involvement every 247 minutes this season. Now, it's not that's not a terrible record for your most for your most creative player, but it's not fantastic either. It's not going to make people sit up and take notice and say, oh, it's worth sticking with him in these moments where he's losing challenges, not even going in for challenges, losing the ball with silly passes where he's not looking, which happens way more often than it does with any other player in our squad. But then you compare it to Danny Cashman, who can't get a kick 
um, who has a goal involvement every 148 minutes he's been playing this season. For me, it wouldn't even be a question which one of those two players starts next week, but I know which one will. And I just don't understand, I just don't understand a lot of the decisions that are being made at the moment. And Ryan, I guess the question on the back of that, is it not time for Stockdale to try different things now? Is it not time? Because the, this isn't working, right? Clearly, the, the, these performances haven't been good enough. Why is Cashman not getting started? Why is Charman not getting started? Why are we not trying for the back? There is absolutely no reason, is there, anymore to be sticking with the same things because what's the famous quote? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, that's exactly what's happening at Dale at the moment. Yeah, 100%. I agree with all that. I've, I've said, I'll say, I, I really don't like this formation and the shape in which we set up. I don't like the way we play. Um, and... Like Luke says, I don't think I like. There's a couple of players I like. For the rest of him, I don't feel any sort of connection with. Um, but it's all well and good. You know, you look at the Salford game and he changes personnel and, you know, we were all unhappy with it. But he's often changing players. Um, but the same ones, like you said, Cashman never starts a football match. Charman doesn't... Um, you know, Broadbent has been doing recently, but then you, you think of change the shape, you know, it changed the shape once this year and it was quite, you know, it was probably the most entertaining game we've had. Um, even though for a free-all draw, it wasn't actually a classic. Um, you know, that's going to get people coming to watch the games. Um, but he's looked at that in a negative way and gone, oh shit, no, I conceded three goals, let's go five at the back again. And then it's not working. You know, we've we've won eight games out of 36 this season. Something isn't working to do something different. And we're not seeing it. Um, you know, there's a lot of players who I think like your, your newbies, your Kellys, your Corey O'Keefe's seem un, undroppable at times. And those three players have been absolutely awful. Um, in 2022, in my opinion. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't understand it. I'm, we've got a game tomorrow night. Um, it'll probably be tonight when people are listening, but um, I know we're going to play five at the back. I know we're going to play two in midfield. That's probably going to be Kelly and either Dooley or Broadbent. And then we're going to play a front three of Newby, Campbell and probably our goal scoring central midfielder in ball. Um, and it's just, it's probably going to play out exactly how we think it's going to play out. Um, I hope I'm wrong, obviously. You know, I want to turn up and enjoy my evening tomorrow night. I don't think I will. Um, and it's just, I think you mentioned on your notes and, you know, I'll bring the attendance for the Salford game was, was very, very poor. And if I'm, working for the club if I'm a, a board member. I'm, I'm taking notice of that. Um, they might point towards the fact that it was a Tuesday night, um, so attendances typically are lower, but they brought how many? 300 or so. 300. I think we we only just hit the 2,000 mark, didn't we? Home fans. That's worrying that, because people are starting to vote with their feet in terms of what they want to do. Even me, I you know, I never thought I'd get to a point where I consider stopping going watching football, but 
I'm sort of questioning whether it's a you know a good way to be spending my time because we said on my last podcast we can probably count the number of good games on one hand, enjoyable games and that that's unquestionable for me. Yeah, I always go Saturday afternoons. I'm at football. Tuesday nights, I'm invariably at football, and that's the way it is. Now I'm going. Oh, I wonder the weather's nice, so I might go for a walk up on the hills or whatever instead. And they've got a big decision to make soon, and I know there's a there's a meeting about it. But the season ticket, they can't rise. The prices cannot rise for them because I don't think we're going to get the same number anyway. But if we're in a sticky situation, because I don't think we're going to get the same number of fans. So if you don't rise the prices, you're going to make a loss compared to last season. But if they rise the prices, you're going to get even fewer people buying them. And it's not, I don't think it's because of the results. We all accepted the fact that, well, you all accepted the fact that we were probably going to be bottom half just about get through. It's not the results, it's the way we're playing and the lack of entertainment. And that's the biggest thing for me. I couldn't care less that we've only won it. I, I could. But the eight wins isn't a thing. Um, it's what I'm watching and it's complete dross, to be honest. Um, so I want him to change it. Do I think he will? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, there's, I can't. I find myself being unable to disagree with a lot of that. Um, I'm not going tomorrow night. I, I, I'm going to a gig with a friend who popped up to me on WhatsApp the other day and said, oh, I know it's Dale at home on Tuesday. Do you want me to sell your ticket? I was like, no, no, no. That's a great excuse to not go to the game. <laughs> Please don't sell my ticket. Um, Luke, I, I think Rise made a lot of points there that, that I think, uh, like I said, I, I'm finding hard to disagree with. I think in terms of the style of play or the identity that we have, um, I'm just wondering what we think it is that Stockdale's trying to do with this team at this point. Um, I, I look, I'm looking back the other day at, at the wins at Northampton and Port Vale at the start of the season, which for me were probably our two better performances of the whole season. Certainly away from home, I think Newport at home would probably be up there as well. But those two games were the two games that I think gave a lot of people reason to believe that Stockdale was the right man and and that this was going to be an exciting season. And I look at the goals we scored and we scored goals from good crosses into the box from deeper positions and from balls in, in behind the defence on the counter-attack. And I just can't remember us doing that since. And I don't know what, I don't know how we're supposed to score our goals is what I'm saying with this, where we set up. Like, how do we create goals? What is the plan for creating chances with this team? Because the goals that we are scoring seem to either come from kind of, a moment of inspiration or a little bit of luck or a bad pass by an opposition player as it was against Salford. And I don't know what the the setup is in terms of what our our kind of goal is because what are we trying to create? How are we trying to create chances at the moment? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was getting at before, really. Like, the, the way we started the season, kind of, I really enjoyed the way we were fizzing it about. I thought... I remember having a bit of a debate with Ryan about kind of, I actually thought the football that we were playing was good. And um, I, I know Lockett kind of had, you know, his, his doubts and what have you. Um, but I thought it was sharp. I, I, I was enjoying um, the performances from the likes of Newby, uh, just going back to him, what have you. I thought he was a real threat. Newby and you know, Keith linking up down the right, brilliant. 
Um, and it felt like we were on the right track towards, I suppose, gaining that identity. Um, it felt like we were on the path. You know, you can't just get an identity overnight or, you know, just kind of set up that that way of playing overnight. It, it does come with time. And again, you know, I think we've got to appreciate that that job then becomes extra difficult when you've got to recruit so many players in such a short period of time. And also when you're losing two players that have been part of everything that has been good, you could argue, um, up to that point, then got sold on. So it does make the job more difficult. However, you know, it, it just feels like it's just kind of all that all that momentum or whatever it was that we were building at the early on in the season. It's just fizzled out into into confusion for me. I, so in answer to the question, I don't know what our kind of identity is that we're working towards. I'm not I'm not naive enough to expect an identity though at the same time at the minute because of the change and that this season was always going to be a period of consolidation for us. Um, but what I wanted to see was was positive signs, you know, things to look forward to for the future. Um, and and probably that is kind of the way in which we're playing, the way in which we're going at teams, the players that we've got. Um, and yeah, I mean, Rice I, I, I kind of touched on it as well. I relate to this group of players. I don't know if that's because I'm getting older and that 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 kind of goes as as you kind of get you know older and have you or, or whether it's because when I look back at teams, when I look back at that. You know, um, it was spoken about before the Leighton Orient game. You know, Matty Dunn's, um, you know, a couple of goals against Leighton Orient that season with 10 men. He looked at the majority of the players on that pitch and he was like, oh, you know, what a group. Um, you know, what what a group of players that were. And um, kind of, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. he sounds a bit sad. Oh, I'd love to go on night out with them or what have you. And this lot, I honestly, if I walk past them in the street, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to strike up a conversation about football or anything like that, just because I just there's no likability there, um, and and for that there is a link between that and our, an identity. I think, and um, again, something that we've kind of spoke about previously as well. You know, when you're in bad form, and you're not playing well, you do end up scrutinising everything, don't you? And um, you know, it does work the other way when you're playing well. Things go under the radar a little bit as well, but. An identity of ours as a football club, and 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 the border play a part in this as well. By the way, this isn't just on the pitch; is is kind of the way in which we've always gone about progressing our youth players and giving them opportunities and things like that. Um, and I think it's always been kind of well publicised that in order to survive as a club and thrive for us, we've always had that kind of conveyor belt. And I've not seen it this season. You know, I've seen kind of the likes of Briley getting on the bench in the Johnson's paint games and thinking, you know, our squad players are getting game time because they need it because we have a bigger squad. But, you know, Broadbent, for example, alone players, is playing ahead of the likes of, of, of Briley. And it, it does concern me that around the fact that we've not, we're not hearing anything positive about any youth players coming through. We're not seeing any youth players get given an opportunity. Um, and in fact, but for I know Briley was on on the bench, I think against Salford. But for that, we've not seen the likes of Briley even make the bench. So that that also worries me. Um, and it comes back to that staple identity and that footprint as a football club. What have we got? Where are we going? Um, and it does concern me a little bit. But I'm fickle enough to probably have a different outlook on everything if we went and won the next three games in a row. 
<laughs> so it's it's a tough one, and that's that, that's football, isn't it? Um, and that's why kind of we can talk like this now. We might agree, we might disagree, we might be completely wrong with some of the theories that we've that we've we're kind of coming up with. There might be stuff that go that's happened in the background that we just haven't got a clue about, and it's made Stockdale's job even harder, you know. But we can only kind of really voice an opinion on what we're seeing at the minute. And I'm seeing momentum in a negative way rather than a positive one. Um, and again, it's just, I can't accept, I can't accept kind of some poor performances or some poor results, you know, or, or not much entertaining football. If you can see some of the good stuff, you know, if you can see players actually battling their absolute asses off to get a result and it's just not coming off for a lack of quality, I can kind of, you know, you can kind of forgive that and move on and and trust that that process is the right process to be on to turn things around. But when you're not seeing the the commitment alongside the quality, you've got a problem. And that second half against Leighton Orient was was the combination of the two. And that is what worries me uh, at this minute in time. And that's what puts me in a position where I can't see a place around how we were going to kind of turn it around or where our goal's coming from. I don't know unless we change our ethos a little bit and, and be a bit more aggressive and, and move close to the, up the pitch and play to our strengths. Our strengths probably being still our attacking players. We've still got good players. We've got good individuals, but we're not a cohesive unit. That's our problem. Yeah, and it's now down to Stockdale to try and find the best way, you know, to, to, to gel those attacking players together and find a way to get them more service and play higher up the pitch. I think a couple of points to make on what you said there, I think, on the youth team, worth noting, they won 6-1 against Tranmere today. Uh, Ethan Briley getting two goals. So, it'd be nice to see a little bit of him in the last few uh, games of the season. I think, for me, I can't see us going down just because of how poor the teams are below us. I can understand the club maybe not throwing Briley in at this stage, but if and when we do get to a point where we are mathematically safe, he 100% should be playing in those last few games of the season for me and if he isn't I'll be really um, questioning what, what the what the kind of um, progression plan is for, for players like him and Peter Thomas and, and one other point I wanted to make was on that on what you were saying about the likability of the squad I think I've, I've wrote in my notes here that even when we were shit in the past even when we had bad teams there were always players that that you felt a connection to like Gary Jones for years and years was was a player who every Dale fan felt a connection to. Uh, Ian Henderson in those seasons where we were struggling towards the bottom of League One, even last season, to an extent, I would say players like Matty Lund were were players that we could connect to because he'd come from a spell where we were better or they just looked like they were giving everything for the shirt. And at the moment, there's not a single player in the, in the squad that I feel that about. And I think, right, we'll just touch on one last thing. I'm aware we're kind of, this is becoming a, a really long podcast now, but um, one one thing on that is one player who you've had a lot of praise for in the past. The new I have as well is Owen O'Connell. And he he came in for a lot of criticism after the Orient game for his attitude and, and people saying he's not good enough to be the, or not saying he's not good enough to be the captain, but he's the wrong character to be the captain. And I don't know, I, I feel like, you maybe would want to defend him against that a little bit because I know you're a big fan. Yeah, it, it's something I don't really understand. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a massive fan of his. I think the quality he's got is, you know, really high, too good for us. 
Um, and I actually, you know, from where I sit in the main stand, and I think he does communicate quite often. Um, I don't think he's a, you know, a Roy Keane who's going to, you know, bollock people on the pitch and this, that and the other. Um, but I do think he does have the one-to-one chats quite often, particularly with his centre-half partners. Um, and if someone's not doing something, you know, I've seen him give a couple of bollockings out to the likes of Newby and, and players like that. So I don't really get it. I do think he's had a couple of poor games recently. Um, but, you know, he's been our best player for two seasons now. And a lot of the time has got us results, arguably, three seasons um, and it arguably has won us results um, in the past on his performances um, with regards to him being captain I'd, I'd ask who could take that on if he lost it I don't think there's any other real leader I've seen people mention Ball um, who I do quite like to be fair um, but I don't think he, I've not seen him give anyone a telling off or anything. You know, I've not, I think he leads by example in his work rate and his endeavour and he's pretty aggressive. But yeah, I don't really, I don't understand it. I think it's going to be one of them where you don't really, like, people do this, don't they, with players, you know, Camps was often captain and he come under a lot of criticism, which again, I didn't really understand. Morley, similar. And now we're doing it with with O'Connell, um, and I, I think people will realise how good he is next season when he's no longer here. Yeah, I, I mean, I said it to you, didn't I, the other day? I, I I think he's perhaps the most underappreciated Dale player of the last few years, um, and I just I, I I'm with you on that. I find the criticism of him way over the top. I think he's been our best player this season, probably. Um, yeah, and I do see communication from him on the pitch, certainly more than anyone else. Um, so yeah, I, don't, I, I find it I find it strange how much criticism he gets, and I think we'd be in a lot worse position without him, um, which is something we'll have to see next season. And yeah, he does look frustrated at times, but then so is every single Dale fan. So you know, you can't really blame him for that. He probably thinks he should be playing at a higher level. Um, and the, the fact is he should be and will be next season. Um, so there, there were a few other things that, that I, I wanted to mention, but it's almost, it feels like nearly midnight now. Um, we'll come back at some point and speak about the EFL charges that have been brought against the club um, on the next episode. Yeah, we'll finish on our game as normal. Um, it's Crawley Town away this coming Saturday. So I've gone for our one and only previous visit uh, to I think it's the checkertrade.com stadium is it something like that I don't know if it's still that Broadfield stadium maybe I don't know either way yeah it was Dale's only previous visit there and it was actually a 4-0 win for Dale in the 2014-2015 season the 6th of September you two will remember this as the infamous Ian Murray um, ankle break game <laughs> but yeah so <laughs> for any player from Dale's uh squad that day and Rye since you were our winner last time you can go first uh, oh, 14-15 dark blue kit weren't it black. yeah with the black true yeah. um, Vincenti 
Yep, Peter and Jen is correct. Scored two for that day. Matt Dawn. Yep, Matt Dawn opened the scoring. Where's Matt Dawn? Jamie Allen. Jamie Allen is correct. Ollie Lancashire. On the bench. Don't do it. He was on the oh. bench. Lucky man. Ashley Easton. Correct. Was O'Connell? Yeah, O'Connell. Yeah, Jack O'Connell. Ian Anderson. Correct. Michael Rose. Oh, Luke. <laughs> it's happened again, Luke. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know how you managed to do it every week. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what? I've got a proper um I've got a proper good one as well that no one will think of. Go on. That I'm saying that I was saving. No, I'm saving because well. Well that Shamir Fedelon. Shamir Fedelon did yeah. come off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Rose were nowhere to be seen. Always go for the ones you know are correct, mate. If you knew that he <laughs> yeah. played them. How did you know of that? I just remembered. I, I think it might have been his debut, his first game. I remember watching warm up. <laughs> I think it might have been last game as well, to be fair, mate. Um, I'll just run through the squad quickly. Conrad Logan, Ashley Easton, Jack O'Connell, Joe Rafferty, Scott Tanza, Jamie Allen, Stephen Dawson, Bastian Herry, Matt Doan, Ian Henderson, Pete Vincenti. And then on the bench, Reese Bennett, Tom Kennedy, Ollie Lancashire, Calvin Andrew, who came on and scored. Uh, Joe Bunny and Shamir Fanalen, as Luke mentioned there. So, right, two wins on the bounce. That's uh, more than Dale have managed for a while. How do you feel about that? Oh, tremendous. The highlight of my week. <laughs> Good stuff. So, we'll be back um, soon enough, like I said, to talk about those EFL charges that have been brought against the club. And fingers crossed, some better Dale performances as well. But all that's left for me to say on this episode is thank you very much, as always, right? Yeah, cheers, Dean. And cheers, Luke. Cheers, lads. Another good hour of Ferry. Cheers, <laughs> Catch you all next time. More for them.